Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Thank you for joining us. We're starting out in a new adventure by studying 1 Peter. After that, you might guess, Correctly, we're going to study 2 Peter and then Jude. Three letters that are filled with importance for biblical prophecy. And what we're going to start with in 1 Peter is the big, big picture of biblical prophecy. Something that's so big that many people who do study biblical prophecy are missing. One of the very big, huge important themes in all of the scriptures, and especially scriptures relating to biblical prophecy, is the theme, the kingdom of God, and what that entails. And you might say this question is critical for understanding all of biblical prophecy. I've asked it in different ways already in some of our previous episodes, but the question is, what is the nature of the kingdom of God during this age. And as I mentioned, the Amil position, the position taken by St. Augustine, uh, the position that I have advocated, the position that the Catholic Church for centuries has advocated, is that there's a present reality, a very present reality to the kingdom of God in this age. Now, a contrary view, and by the way, these broadcasts are designed not only to help Catholics, I'm very eager to help people that hold different prophetic views, especially those who believe in what's popularly known as the rapture at any moment view, but the proper name for that is dispensationalism. And dispensationalism takes a proper concept, namely a dispensation, which is a time period, and makes an ism out of it, makes radical distinctions between time periods. And in dispensationalism, the kingdom of God is yet future, that it will be a future Jewish messianic kingdom centered in Israel sometime yet future, after the rapture of the church. And so the church is raptured and taken into heaven. And so the church obviously doesn't have a whole lot to do with this kingdom, which is something Jewish in Israel after the church has left the earth. Now, you've heard me mention, but I'm hyper-concerned about this because bad eschatology, uh, improper understanding of biblical prophecy can literally erupt into World War III. I don't know if you noticed, but two well-known rapture advocates came out of the woodwork almost immediately after the Russia-Ukraine conflict fired up. Why? Because in dispensationalism, Russia will come down and, and invade Israel, and they saw the beginnings of that 
and why Israel is so precious to them, because they see the heart. I mean, this is a big part of biblical teaching. The kingdom of God will be in the nation Israel, and so their whole perspective on this conflict was highly covered by their views of biblical prophecy. Then you have the particularly the Republican candidates that will be lining up to run for president of the United States in a couple of years. People like Nikki Haley, former governor from South Carolina, was over in Israel with Pastor Hagee, who is probably the most highly committed, almost rabid dispensationalist in the entire United States. She was over in Israel with him. And again, thinking Israel is precious. And hey, don't get me wrong. I think the Jewish people deserve a big break after what happened during the Nazi persecution and Holocaust. But I don't think that a future Jewish situation after a supposed rapture of the church will begin the kingdom of God. But that's what Pastor Hagee stands for. And here's a potential candidate for the presidency of the United States getting warped right into this. And so should we start firing missiles at Iran and we have a Mideast war with missiles going off everywhere? That could be the consequence of poor biblical prophetic teaching. So let's go to Peter. He has some things that are actually shocking. Uh, We probably read over them thinking no big deal, but we start off with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling with his blood. Just so you know where this letter is being addressed to, it's basically the providences of what is today modern-day Turkey. One of these providences, the province of Asia, is where St. John sent the book of Revelation to the seven cities in one of these providences. These providences were places where the early church existed, and it's highly likely that this early church had a composition of both Jew and Gentile, but perhaps a fairly heavy weighting of Gentiles. It says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18, that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers. That'd be very relevant to the Gentiles. In chapter 2, verse 10, once you were no people, but now you are God's people. Now, Peter writes to the exiles of the dispersion. And in Greek, this is, uh, transliteration would be the diaspora. The diaspora applied to the Jewish people. The diaspora were the Jews, say like when Babylon came in and conquered Judah and deported all the leading people to other lands They were dispersed. The dispersion or the diaspora was a Jew who was separated from his or her homeland. And now Peter is writing to a composite of Jew 
and Gentiles in the church, and he's calling the church in what is now Turkey the diaspora. What's going on? This is something that's only to pertain to the Jews, the chosen people. Now, wait a second. He says in the second verse, I've already read it, chosen and destined. He's calling them the chosen people. Now, wait, the chosen people are the Jews. Well, that's correct. But now we're in the new covenant, and the chosen people include all of the children of Abraham by faith, and that includes both Jew and Gentile. And again, this is God's kingdom that's not sometime future after the church is gone, and then it only pertains to Jews and the geographic nation of Israel. No, we're in Turkey with a Jew-Gentile makeup, and we're not talking about after the church leaves the earth. We're talking about the church on earth during this age and calls them the chosen people of God. Now, again, this is, um, this is shocking, and this isn't the only place where this goes, but the diaspora was only for ethnic Jews, only for Israelis, so to speak, uh, the, those living in ancient Israel, and now he's talking to the early church made up of Jew and Gentile living in Turkey. You go on a little bit more, and this gets more radical. In the second chapter of First Peter, starting in verse 9, he says, you are a chosen generation. Again, the chosen people, a royal priesthood. These are all terms given only and exclusively to Israel in the Old Testament. A holy nation, a particular people. Again, uh, in the Old Testament, ancient Jews, this was exclusively terms referring to them, and Peter is pulling from Exodus to Isaiah and all over the Old Testament, bringing terms that related to the nation Israel in the Old Testament to those in the church in the New Testament, okay? He says, in the past you were not a people, but now you are a people. Now, what is going on? Now, There is a term that's basically a lot of people who have a love for the Jewish people say, oh, this is is replacement theology where the church has supplanted Israel. Now, remember, what does dispensationalists do, dispensationalism? It separates in, in a very rigid fashion a Jewish messianic kingdom from the church. What Peter is writing to in the most obvious fashion is that, no, the the church is the messianic kingdom, and the church hasn't supplanted Israel. It has expanded Israel. I mean, Jesus is a Jew. St. Peter writing this is a Jew, and the members of these early churches were Jews and Gentiles. It's expanded from the nation Israel, to encompass the promise to Abraham, the father of all believers, and that's what's going on. Now, I was a member of the church in the past where I was taught about the rapture at any moment, and I just recently found out that there's people in that church sending money to Israel to build a new temple, getting ready that after their expected rapture of the church for a Jewish kingdom— to erupt. Now, if you look at the book of Revelation, 
um, you know, it talks about that kingdom in Revelation 21. It says the New Jerusalem, the walls are 15,000 miles high and 15,000 miles wide. Um, These are people who say you have to take everything literal in chapter 20, but in verse 21, it kind of gets to be a bit of a stretch. It's trying to show that there's an immense uh, grandeur to the new Jerusalem, but it says in Revelation 21, 22, and I saw no temple in the city. Oh, no temple. Why are they sending money over to Israel? For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Come back to 1 Peter, critical stuff. Chapter two and verse four. Come to him that living stone. What do you use stones for? To build temples. Rejected by men, but in God's sight, chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house. What's the spiritual house? That's the messianic temple in the kingdom of God. And it's going up now in the churches and what is now modern Turkey and all over the world to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. So (laughs) the building project is underway, not in Israel, all over the world, in the church, not after the church leaves the earth. It's in the church during this period on earth. The Catechism says in section 763, the Lord Jesus inaugurated his church by preaching the good news, the reign of God. To fulfill the Father's will, Christ ushered in the kingdom of heaven on earth. The church is the reign of Christ already present in mystery. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 285 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.